Welcome to the, the Midweek, Midweek Debrief with your hosts, the London Bonnie and Scrambler of London. Welcome to episode seven. Thanks for joining us. Mate, how's your week been? My week's been very good. Lots has happened. Uh, so it's good to sit down again and have a catch up. Yeah. How's your week been? Yeah, no, it's been really good. It's been uh, quite busy. Um, the weather hasn't been the greatest this week. It's been nonstop drizzle. Yeah, it's just not been pleasant. Um, but has that stopped you getting out on the bike? No, of course not. Good. Out on the bike every day. So that's good. No complaints there. Uh, so what have you been up to? So um, aside from all the daily activities, I've been continuing to break down my scrambler. So uh, yes. for those that haven't listened to early episodes, I had a crash on a scrambler um, a number of months ago and I've been breaking it down for parts. Mm. And Jed kindly recommended to me to buy a, a small trolley with four wheels. It's like a kind of, it's a bit of plywood with four wheels and it can hold up to 150 kilograms yeah. or something. And so I put the sump of the scrambler on that so I can wheel it around and I've basically just been ripping it apart. And so this week I properly got stuck in um, and basically took everything out apart yeah. from the engine and left the frame there. And it's really interesting taking, you know, removing the wiring loom and stuff. Um, and there were there were two connectors on the wiring loom that were, were wouldn't budge. Really? And I was thinking I might just have to snip them, but then the, but it wouldn't be worth anything no. if it fits all snipped. So I finally got them out, which was, which was great. And so I'm now in the process of flogging parts. So if there's anyone listening that wants any... 2013 slash 2016 scrambler parts hit me up i've got tank <laughs> i've got an engine i've got loads of bits so uh yeah and then aside from that i had to on my current scrambler that i'm riding i had to replenish the brake pads uh yes so they they got redone i my my, my rear brake wasn't working properly and well, we, it, was, <laughs> it was a bit scratchy wasn't it well yeah we went out last week and, and i think you'd mentioned you said how's your your rear pads how are they looking and i i thought oh no it's, it's you know when someone has to point it out you know you've left it too long yeah. and so sure enough got those ordered something that was interesting is that i called the triumph um voxel place yeah the dealership there this is like triumph's london dealership and i said right uh 2013 scramble 900 set of rear brake pads yeah. how much he said 47 pounds 47 pounds oh yeah i've got them to stop 47 pounds i said okay cheers straight on ebay like 12 pounds yeah ordered arrived next day in an envelope so that's what i did i bought my pads from ebay and i've had them in almost a year and they've been absolutely fine i don't understand why they like, sort of hyper inflate their prices of parts yeah, when just, you know the value of them no i know they put a premium on it i don't know why and i feel sorry for the people that go and take their bike in for a service and they say oh do you want us to do the pads and then you say oh yeah while you're at it go and do it and then they charge you you know four, four times for, as much yeah. for the for the pad so yeah i'm not quite sure what's going on there but you know i, I understand why they're doing it it's profits but yeah, so new 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 brake pads went in. They, I mean, just fit on the disc. Yeah, it's tight. You have to push the pistons all the way back into the caliper to get all that the way in. back, and it's like it, it's that last bit of your finger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> squeezing them to get them back. Um, so yeah, I was really chuffed to get those to get those in, and, and then you have that weird first like the half tank of fuel, kind of fifty miles where the bike feels quite slow and sluggish, just like blah 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 blah, because it's yeah. You know, it's wearing down that first in. layer of the pad exactly. So, I'm kind of past that point now. But I was, it took a bit of time to get used to it because they were they were rubbing. Yeah. So I'd I'd like coast, 
to a stop and it would I'd stop way sooner. So, yeah. so you have to adjust that. And then the other only other thing I've done is that I've had a new chain and sprockets fitted to the mutt. Oh yeah. So I had that done. The only thing is I've gone down three teeth on the rear sprocket accidentally. Oh. So have the you mutt, ridden it? Yeah, 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 I have. And the mutt was never fast, but now it's even slower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite gutted about it because it's now it's now made me realise I might have to uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do but it's made it a lot harder to enjoy but seriously like yeah, just pulling away from the difference. lights it's like it's, there's just nothing I mean literally would, yeah so <laughs> I'm, I'm in the process of getting used to that but uh, I wasn't chuffed no no it's not ideal but one thing I was going to say from uh, stripping your scrambler down you look, can learn so much about your bike by yeah. taking it apart yeah, well, throughout the process, I've been thinking, thank God I'm taking it apart, not putting it back together. Because every bottle that comes out, I'm like, you, you remember where it goes, and then you yeah. put the bottle on the floor, and then five minutes later, you're like, wait, hang on a sec, where did that bottle come from? Yeah. So, yeah, glad I'm not putting it back together. Well, someone else can do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they can. <laughs> oh, dear. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'll, I'll be happy to have that gone soon. Definitely. Another thing I just wanted to quickly discuss. So, Urban Rider, one of the places we discussed last week, as, as a place to buy gear, have had their shoey Glamster helmet like on sale yes. big time. Yeah. So the question I want to raise to you is, do you think helmets are too expensive in the biking world? Because it, it, it retails normally at £509. It's nuts. Which is a lot of money for it a is. helmet. Bearing in mind, they say that if you drop it once, you have to throw it away and get a new one. Yeah. So it's quite disposable in that sense. They've dropped it down to 295 which is still quite a lot. For it a is, bit of yeah. plastic. And I spoke to one of the guys who works at Open Ride and I said, what's the deal? Why are these things so expensive? He said, well, there is a lot of innovation and all this sort of manufacturing that goes into making them. Yeah. So the technology is important. What do you, what do you have to say? I mean, I think it's tricky. If you're, if you're buying a helmet that's made from an expensive material like carbon fiber or something, then I think the price can be a bit more justified. Um, but I think some of these helmets are vastly overpriced just for the name and especially the the retro styled helmets i find that you can go and buy a sports bike helmet that has way more technology in it than a retro helmet mm. for the same price like a lot of these uh, retro helmets that don't have any vents they have like the, the glam style i think only has three visor positions really yeah so it's either open an inch halfway or fully open so you can't just have like a like when i like ride a little like, air gap like a little air gap you can't have that but also if you've ever ridden with it with a visor halfway up it like distorts your vision yeah, exactly. of the world so you just you just can't have a gap in your visor with that helmet okay that's that's not good so i ugh, it's hard to know with these things because you don't know how they they, they probably spend a lot of money on innovation because it's, they've got yeah. to meet the standards and the requirements but at the end of the day made in china it's a plastic shell ugh. so i i've tried one on and it is quite a lightweight helmet yeah um, can compare to a lot of other retro like the the bell bullet and stuff like that and it's got a pinlock visor so it does have that over some of the other retro helmets mm. um but still for 509 pounds it's just a it's scene a, it's a lot um one quick story i just wanted to quickly tell you so this weekend i went out uh laning in the four by four yes so in, in the defender you did as well i did as well so i was out in salisbury you were down in kent we said sort of, uh, different yeah. different sides of <laughs> yeah. the uh, of the south but but still you know conquering territory so on my way back Cruising on the M4, spotted some nice bikes go past. It's pitch black. It's like 7 p.m. Sunday yeah. night. And then I see three cars 
like flying up the fast lane because it's in the, I'm in the middle lane at this point. Yeah. And the first car that flies by is a black Volvo Estate, and he is bombing. Yeah. And then there's two, um, there's two BMW Estate yeah. police cars, you know, with all the all the lights and everything. They, no, the lights weren't flashing, but they oh. had all, you know, they, it wasn't undercover or anything. They had oh, all the stickers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, traditional. Yeah, exactly. And so it looked like they were chasing him, yeah. but they didn't have the lights on. I thought that was really weird. And so he's then, and I'm, and I'm kind of sitting behind them and I'm watching them because it's just interesting. And then the guy in the black Volvo, he cuts into an A and then he goes into lane one and he's, and he's basically almost like filtering down the motorway. Yeah. And the police cars are staying so close behind him and they're almost moving as a three. Wow. Now, about five minutes before this, there was a BMW i8. You know those, I don't know yeah. if they're electric or no, they're, they're, they're like those hybrid, hybrid yeah. things. Yeah. Blacked out and it went flying past me. Really? I mean, literally flying. It was one of those ones where it was like, it just went. And I was like, what was that? And I just got enough time to, to clock what it yeah. was. And then these cars went past. So I thought, this is weird. We then got to the 40 miles an hour bit of the of the M4, you know, where it starts yeah. to turn into the A4. And then the traffic starts building up. I think, oh, Sunday night traffic. Da, da. And then I forgot about the, the police cars and all that stuff. And then we get to the roundabout, the first roundabout where there's that Tesla garage. Yes. And there's all these blue lights, blue lights, blue lights. And it's the BMW i8 that's been T-packed no. by the by the three Volvos. Because they were actually all, I thought it was BMW states, but they are actually all Volvo states. Oh. And the front one was an undercover. Wow. Yeah, so they would all, they, they T-packed him into the side. Yeah. And then the, the i8 has these, uh, you know, the, the doors come up like Yeah, wings, like Lambo doors. Like Lambo it. doors, exactly. And the guy was handcuffed. Oh. Yeah. So I went past, I was like, whoa. That is, you don't see that every day. I know, I know, I know. Proper so, high-speed chase. Yeah, so I, I texted the mate I'd been with, and I was like, oh, I've just seen this thing. I was glad it wasn't me. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I don't know, I find it really interesting seeing the kind of police. But police following stuff. on from that, yeah. I saw um, Duke of London on Instagram. If you know, it's Merlin McCormack, he runs Duke of London, which is a sort of classic car spot in West London. He had been pulled over in his Ferrari over the weekend, for, I think he just like a spot check. But one of the cars that had pulled him over was an undercover police car with Uber stickers. So it was like no. an undercover Uber. So what those like the taxi stickers, the kind of yellow. Yeah. They're like the, the white with the yellow square inside them and it has all the taxi details on it. But it was an undercover police car. So they're now disguising them as Ubers. It's clever. It is clever. It's clever. Whoever's, whoever's managing that is doing the right thing because that is deceptive. Yeah. And it's interesting because we've been together on the bikes before where we've spotted undercover police. Yeah. But you have to be, you have to be very eagle eyed to spot them. Yeah. And I think this is something that most bikers will relate to because you're in and around the traffic a lot more in a car. You've only got so much visibility, you know, you've got columns and you, you can't really see yeah. out that much. Whereas on a bike, you can peer into people's cars and da -da. And the number of times we've been sat behind some BMW X5 and then, Suddenly you spot them, you see the aerial, then you see the, they often have one of those mirror extensions yeah. on the side. Yeah. And then you look in the, through the tinted rear window and you see the, the sort of outlines of where the lights, the lights are. are. And then yeah. you look at each other and you, you would like nod and be like, yep, yeah, that's one. Let's gently pull away. Yeah. So, but now it's going to be even harder to spot them. So Yeah, they're disguised as Ubers and taxis. Oh, gosh. I, yeah. Let's yeah. let's try and avoid them. 
Yeah. But it's, it's still fun to spot them. It is fun to spot and them. It's a, it's a great feeling when you spot them before they've kind of yeah. caught you, if you know what I mean. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, cool. Now, there was a BSA scrambler that we were yes. going to discuss, wasn't there? So, this was uh, something that I wanted to discuss with you. So, one of my followers had sent it in to me, just be sort of, what's your opinion on this bike? So, I did a bit of research and I found um, Bennett's had done an article on their bike social oh, about it. And it was shown at Motorcycle Life as like a concept. Yep. So, you know, BSA just released their new, they've come back to the market. Um, with the Gold Star. The Gold Star, that's it. So, is it 650? 650. Yep. So, this uses the same 650 engine as the Gold Star, but they've essentially turned it into a Scrambler, which is, it's interesting because you've got the Triumph Scrambler, which is in a, a nine, you've got the Street Scrambler in a nine, and the 1200 Scrambler. Uh, Royal Enfield has the 411, but there's nothing in that 650 bracket. True. As far as modern classics go. So, essentially, what they've um, tried to do, they've put high mud guards on it, they've jacked the suspension up, knobbly tyres, um, and it looks pretty good yeah so i was at motorcycle live and actually saw this in the flesh in the flesh yeah so um it's very interesting because all i will say is that i was really looking forward to seeing the bsa stand yeah and when i got there there was there was just a crowd of people around one bike and it was that bike really all the other gold stars that were there that you could sit on no no one was no one was looking at them and it goes to show if you bring out a bike that's just plain vanilla it's very uninteresting. Yeah. Whereas if you do what people actually want and you bring, it always has to be bought as a concept. Oh, I know. That's really interesting. And it had the wrapped pipes and yeah. it, it was aggressive and knobblies that, and people were loving it. And yeah. I said to the person on the stand, I was like, if you just release that in that spec, I know it would have to have some plastic and Huge indicators, indicators and, and stuff, stuff like you'd that, have yeah. to rip off. But if you, if you, even the paint job, everything, everything, if you did that, they would fly off the shelves. Yes. Even if they can't go off road or whatever, because they probably can't. No. But if they look like they can, very that's smart. What want. Yeah. Very smart. And I think that's what the market is really looking for. Like yeah. people like you and I and our contemporaries, like that's what we want. That's bikes it. like that. Because it is fun taking a stock bike and then turning it into that. But it's it would be so cool to buy something straight off the shelf that's ready to go. Yeah. That's ninety percent done. And you yeah. just do the final change yourself. So I'm actually looking forward. Hopefully, the uh, the attention it got at the show will sort of push them to maybe release it as a part of their lineup. Yeah, I mean, my, my hope is that they release that, all the other manufacturers go, oh, my word. Yeah, we've got to jump on the bandwagon. We, yeah, and stop making boring bikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. We can hope. Sweet. Right, let's move on. That was a long catch-up, but we've got to move on to our topic of this week, yes. which is... Can you daily a modern classic? I think this is quite interesting. It's really interesting. A lot of people can only have one bike and they want to have a modern classic, but unsure whether they can use it for day-to-day chores, commuting, whatever. So we're going to sort of dig into this topic and see, can you use one daily? How would you define a modern classic? I suppose it's anything that's sort of a revival of the past. Styling from the past, um, whether it's the big round headlight... The, the, the metal tank, big tank badges, you know, leather seat, um, twin shock. I think that sort of, it's, it's anything that's sort of, yeah. So almost any bike up until kind of 1975. Yeah, I suppose so. That, you know, before fairings and plastic yeah. became a thing. Yeah. So I guess the, what we've got to discuss is, is comfort when it comes to dailying a, a modern classic, because yeah. provided that is going to be your only bike, you're not going to have a choice 
as to some of the conditions you have to write no, in. No, you have to write in everything. Yeah. Rain, so wind. Morning, evening. Yeah. Light, motorways, dark. Yeah. Yeah, everything. So let's start with seating position. Yes. What, so do, you, suppose, what do you think is important? Because we can break it down into a few different categories of modern classic. Because you can go anywhere from cruisers through to true scramblers and cafe races and stuff. So I think if you're going to daily it and you want comfort, you wouldn't go for a cafe racer. Yeah. Because I think living with clip-ons and stuff day to day for some people might be uncomfortable. And it definitely you do have to build a tolerance uh, for that position. Um, so should we just, should we keep it as your sort of box stand, like a T100 yeah, upright seating position um, that anyone can get used to yeah. and ride? Um, so you almost want legs at like a 90 degree bend, no rear sets, nice upright bars. So you're, you're just comfortable straight back, easy to manage. Yeah. Yeah. Decent. And then what would you say if it's that versus a cruiser style with say forward foot pegs? eight hanger bars yeah. what do you reckon because that could be comfortable for i see i think you have to have a bike that can do it all if it's going to be your only bike true so i think if you're going into town filtering and making your way through traffic with eight hangers and forward foot pegs is going to be a bit of a challenge <laughs> especially with the length of a cruiser bike yes good point good point so i definitely think that upright position is going to be easier for filtering and just also your ability to um carry luggage and stuff like that and true so provided it can roll around with no problem in the city once you get out onto the open road wind protection is quite important isn't it yeah because modern most modern classics don't have any don't have anything no um so you could go down the lines of trying to fit some wind protection but we can sort of discuss that in our in our, our no-nos in our no-nos yeah okay, can you here's a challenge can you think of one modern classic you can buy today off the shelves that has wind protection that's tricky like sig think... significant wind protection yeah, I, unless and you're you could going, say like a Harley Street Glide, but I, I yeah, don't know if that's... I don't I mean, know if that or count. like a Thruxton, the fully fared Thruxton RS. Yeah, but the thing is, it's got that bikini fairing around the headlight, but I don't know how much that actually... Does anything. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't ridden one, so I couldn't couldn't tell. I can't think of many bikes that, that have much wind no. protection. It's if, just if bars any. and headlight and speedo. Some of them, like the, uh, the Speed Twin, has that little fly screen, but I don't think that does anything. No, no, no. It does very little. If you're doing, let's say you are doing a bit of motorbike mileage, like say, for example, you're commuting on it and you've got 60 miles on the motorway each day. Do you think it's doable on a naked bike? I think it's doable. Yeah. I've done my fair share of trips down to Kent and back on my Triumph. And comparatively to my SV, my SV is it is more comfortable when you have the wind protection because mm. you do feel it. It just takes that strain off your... Because with the Triumph, I feel like you're, you're hanging on because the mm. wind is... You're like a big wind sail. Mm. So it's blowing you back. But I think if you did want to have one as an only bike, I think it's definitely doable. 100%. Have you ever seen a modern classic bike with a with a, with like a scooter screen? No, never. It is. I've seen it once or twice and it oh, is awful. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's interesting because you, you throw something like that on a good looking bike and it ruins the whole look of it. Yeah. And I think that brings us on quite well to the next one, which is our no-nos. Yeah. I think it's a, one of the most... One of the main reasons people ride modern classics is for the stylish, kind of nostalgic vibe of it, it is, right? Yeah, still and look good. You, yeah, and if you just throw on all the utilitarian bits that that make it maybe more comfortable, you can completely lose the lines of the bike yeah. and the style of it. And it might sound kind of ridiculous 
like a sort of vanity project. But I think it's I think it's really important. No, yeah, you've got to be able to maintain that style because at the end of the day, all the effort that went into designing that bike was purely for style. It was form over function. And I think, yeah, you, the person who buys that bike is wanting it for the style. If yeah. they wanted something that's comfortable in a commuter, they'd get, you know, GS or something. Um, so one of the biggest no-nos, I think, are those hand muffs or over, over the handlebars, over, over yeah. the grips. So I actually uh, parked next to a Royal Enfield Interceptor no. with them on. And it, it had those, and it just ruined the whole bike for me. There's something about them that is... I don't know what's so unpleasant. I mean, they just they don't look great, but it's also... I don't know, there's... It, you just look at them on a modern classic and you think it doesn't work. And that as well as the, the, the blanket. Oh, the the Tucano Urbano blanket, yeah. yeah. The scooter blanket. So we've only ever seen we were sent one the other day. There was a it was a street scramble. I think it was in Europe. Thank God it wasn't in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> it was somewhere on the continent. In a city, maybe it was in Geneva or something. And it was a white street scrambler with, with one of those blankets and, and it's got that little um sort of plastic I don't know if you can blow air into them. I think you can. I think yeah, to maintain shape or something, you can put air yeah. in them. <laughs> if if you go, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up Tucano Urbano blanket. Yeah, and you'll see what we're referring to. You often see them on all the scooters and stuff, and I'm sure they're really comfy. Oh yeah, I bet for the scooters, it's you know it keeps your legs warm, keeps the wind out. But, but no, it's just it's got to be a no no. Yeah, it's got, no-no. if you if you're gonna if you're gonna use one of those, just don't get a modern classic. I guess yeah. is the point. You know, get like a T Max or a Bergman or something. A Bergman, yeah. <laughs> um, oh dear. Now, say you are commuting, and you need more than just your Krieger bag, or you need more than just your wallet, and you've got a bit of luggage yeah. to take with you. What I mean, what are the options on a modern classic? Because they're fairly limited, aren't they? So I feel like you've got sort of pannier bags. Yeah. I've never seen a modern classic with boxes. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I hope I never do. Um, what but, a sight that would be! Can you? Yeah, I can't even no, I can't imagine it. it. Like what the full kind of like the metal clad, the the top box and the side panniers on a modern classic would like be straight off a GS and onto onto a Bonnie. Yeah. No. <sighs> no, but I think I think pannier bags done right, like the Malay pannier bags are really nice. Yeah. Um, and soft, they, soft luggage. Soft luggage, yeah, and they do um, that top bag as well, sort of like the duffel. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that for a modern classic, if you're doing. If you're carrying a lot of stuff with you, they're big enough to fit, you know, waterproofs in there, your bike cover in there. If, you, if you're going somewhere that you need a cover, um, all your security, chains, locks, all that sort of thing. And then even your lunch, you know, depending on where you're going. Yeah, your you lunch. Take a lunch. Perfect. What are your thoughts on tank bags for a modern classic? So I think if a tank bag is styled right, it can be done. Yeah. But I think if it's just your, you know, your run of the mill... <laughs> textile tank bag with the, the sort of plastic <laughs> screen in the back for your map or something I, I just think that's a no-no oh okay well we're in agreement on that um i i the only cl- modern classic bike i seem to see with the top box is a street twin really i see them quite often they'll have like it'll be like a plastic scooter top box yeah and i'll see it and i'll think ah, okay fair enough but one point i do think is that I respect them for going with a modern classic over something like a scooter. Yeah. So I think it, it, I'd rather have like a street scrambler or a street twin with a top box than a Bergman. Oh, 100%. So I don't know. It's a lesser of two evils, I guess. So what are your thoughts on wearing high-vis and 
you know the sort of what would be considered the right safety gear yeah this is the thing because you 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 buy that style of bike to look cool i mean there's no two ways about it you're buying to look cool so by buying your cool bike and then jumping on it with a fluorescent yellow onesie i don't think that's quite the vibe i mean and a bright white helmet yeah it's i think yeah you've, you've just got to pick one or the other I mean, I think fair enough. If you're go- if you're coming back from somewhere at night time, and it's poorly lit, and you know you you're scared for your safety, then in your, your luggage you can just keep a high vis vest for that occasion. But I think if you're going to rock the high vis all day every day, no, I I would never wear high vis. I mean, I think it's interesting because there's obviously there are trade offs you make for having the style and feel and nostalgia of the modern classic bike. Yeah, but. Now with Urban Ride and all these brands coming out and now that they're so popular, there are loads of options for like modern classic gear that is safe. You know, it's all regulated and stuff and maybe not necessarily high vis, but still good. It's like what you came in today with those trousers and the the jackets. You can make it work. Yeah, no, you can. And also I think some of the new sort of retro kit you can get with fluorescent stuff sort of designed into it. So it doesn't look like but it has those strips stitched yeah. in, you know, the fluorescent strips, which but, is yeah, it's it's a good that compromise. That sounds like a little bit too much fluorescent strips for me, but I... Yeah, yeah. no, same, but, you know... <laughs> it's still good to have if, if, yeah. if you want that, if you yeah, want that. Yeah. So the other point we've got here is um, kind of visibility. I mean, aside from high-vis, which we've agreed is is a sin, lights on a bike. Like, say, for example, you're riding at night, you're riding home from work. For my Scrambler, I I would not be confident that everyone can see me. Yeah, no, I agree because same as mine. We've yeah. got tiny tail light and that round headlight, yeah. and I think a lot of the the bigger bikes and the the commuters and even sports bike stuff having that two headlights, mm. it gives people a better idea of how far away you are yeah. than a single headlight. And they're brighter LED. They're brighter, yeah. Because our mean, little halogen bulbs are. Yeah, mine's not mine's not too bad. It was better than the previous headlight I had that had that mesh screen in front yeah. and it was yellow tint and. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a compromise. But then I think some of the new bikes, like a couple of our friends have the new liquid-cooled Bonnevilles. And, they've got a really good headlight. And they've got really good headlight. I I tell you, I've actually got... Because I've got... My headlight is... It's okay. The high beam is actually... It seems to be less bright than the standard low beam. Oh, it's, I, it's, it's, it's terrible. But the rear light is one that I, I wish was better. Because yeah. I've got the Moto and Lucas tail light, which is technically LED, but it's not very bright. No. Like it's just not. And, I mean, would you consider switching yours out? Like, I would consider switching mine out for one that's just really, really nice bright. and bright. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it has the same... As long as it fits the bike. And again, that, yeah. back to that styling mm-hmm. key. As long as it looks good and it functions, then I will hands down upgrade. Yeah. But for the minute, I mean, mine's fine for what I use it for, I guess. So, with that discussed, can you daily a modern classic? I think so. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm currently I'm dailying my Bonneville yeah. to work and back. So I'm getting up relatively early and it's still dark, going to work and then leaving at work, coming home in the evening. It's fine. Yeah. And I think if I was going to use it for more chores and if I was going to go, you know, picking stuff up in it, I would get some uh, throw over luggage yeah. that I could load up and it would be quite capable with a, with a rucksack on or with a, with a bag on top. You know, I think it's quite um, versatile. And it's comfortable enough. Yeah, definitely. What what one thing I I kind of rely on for luggage? So I've always got 
a bungee to hand. Yeah. One of those X bungees, Oxford make them. And I've, I'll have it wrapped around the rim. I've got, I'll have it somewhere. And if I have to go and pick up a package or something that can't fit, fit in a bag, you just... Whoosh, Bunge it straight on. Yeah, you just lasso it to the or back. Or those, um, those cargo nets, those elastic cargo, cargo nets. Halfords do them for about £5. Yeah, well, they, they do slightly sort of eat themselves. They do after disintegrate. Yeah, yeah, they don't last that long, but no. for £5, yeah. what you can expect. No, fair enough. Right, should we move on to our Guess the Engine game? Let's do it. Now... Just a quick disclaimer, we've had some complaints from listeners <laughs> saying that you can't hear the engine noise. And so, no, A, we apologise, and B, we're working on it. So we're going to try and switch up the way we uh, alter that in, in in the production. So, yeah, we're still going to play it as per usual, but hopefully you can hear it slightly better. Um, now, I'm going to kick this off. Go on, then. This is, just so you know, this is an Akrapovich exhaust. See what you think. Let's hear it. That's definitely um, a dyno run. So I picked this out because it's quite interesting. It's not a bike you see very often, but it's a bike that you'd you'd hear maybe if you went to Ace Cafe on a Friday night and you'd be like, oh, what is that sound? It's so loud. And then it would turn up and be like, oh. I, I want to say it's like a single, like a supermoto or something. So I'll tell you, it's a, it's a mini twin. Oh, it's a mini twin? Yeah. A mini twin? Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit, it's Japanese. Yeah. And it's a bike that you can buy. It's not a bike you would ever buy. No. But you, you know, you can buy you it. You can buy it. Is it Kawasaki? No. No, it's not. Mini Twin. Yeah. And you might not think, when you hear what bike it is, you might not have known it was a twin. Is it KTM? No. No, it's not. We've struggled with this. We've been at Ace Cafe before and you've, and we've heard it go by and we thought, what is that? And then it's turned up and it's, I'm really, I'm, sorry. Yeah. That is a Yamaha R3. The R3? Is that a twin? It is a twin. It's a, it's a, it's a 300cc twin. I didn't know that. Very small. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. I wouldn't expect you to be knowledgeable about the uh, the R3 because it's not the kind of bike. It's not something I've ever looked into. No, but um, yeah, there you have it. Well, quite different from what I've chosen for you. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, let's get this clip up. As a standard exhaust, okay, well, well, we didn't get a rev, which is a shame, but we got the start-up and a bit of idle. It sounded like an inline-four. Yes. Um, it's... It's quite obscure. Yeah, it is. But it's, it is. It's, not, it's not a sports bike, I don't think. But it is a... I'll give you a clue. It's a brand new bike. It's a brand new bike. Okay, so I, my thoughts are it doesn't sound like it's tuned to the moon like a sports bike would be. It doesn't sound... It's got, it hasn't got that kind of throbbing kind of aggressive like it's ready to sort of kill you yeah. sound so and it's an inline four so and, and i'm not I'm, I'm gonna say it's not a naked bike because i think it would it would it would sound similar to the spot so i reckon it could be like an adv bike that's that they've chucked a an inline four into <laughs> without am i on the right lines no oh, gutting okay well, well steer me back on track so I'll, I'll give you a it's italian 
So that narrows it down quite a bit. Okay, it's Italian. Ah, oh, and it's an, an Italian inline four. It is an Italian inline four. I believe it's an inline four. Okay. Um, okay, well, it's not going to be a Ducati, so we can rule that out. Yeah. It could be an MV Augusta. You're on the right is track. It, oh, but I didn't know they did inline four. I thought, is it the MV Augusta F3? It's not the F3. Because it doesn't sound like... A, I, 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 we didn't get a rev, so I couldn't hear whether it's a triple or not. But I mean... I... It's not the F3. Is it... And it's not an adventure bike. Is no. it the dragster? No. Shall, shall I tell yeah, you? Yeah, tell me. It's the Brutale. Oh, the Brutale. Okay. 1000 RR. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I believe they do they do a uh, an inline three in the 800cc displacement. Then they do an inline four for the larger bike. Oh, okay. For the elite bike. Noted. Okay. Well, we both learned something from the guest yeah. the engine game this week. Um, Q and A time. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Okay, we will kick off with Ale House Jets saying, what's a good modern classic for taller riders? I think uh, the Scrambler 1200, the Triumph Scrambler 1200. Yeah. That's a nice tall bike. Um, but I even think like the T120, the Triumph T120 would be yeah. comfortable for taller riders. I'm trying to think if there's any other manufacturers that do. Maybe the Indian FTR. Yeah. That could be all right. Um some of the Harleys could be... Some of the Harleys could work. But also, there's you can make modifications to bikes to make them make more, comfortable, more comfortable, raise yeah. the bars up and stuff. So I think, yeah, go with the bike you want and adjust it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. What lock setup do we use away from home in London? Yeah, different, good question. Uh, different situations. What do you use? So most of the time, I try and... First thing is I try and park my bike somewhere as secure as possible because that's you know that's the best thing you can do first and then the security is just sort of a a backup um but i normally just take a disc lock with me and if i'm really concerned about my bike i'll take a chain as well yeah. so i can chain it to a post or something and then disc lock on but most of the time it's just a disc lock yeah for me so i i yeah i've got a disc lock as well i've got one of those abbas ones that has the screamer alarm yeah so you can click it in as you as you lock it and it goes beep and then if the bike moves at all it it sounds the alarm, although I don't rely on the alarm as being yeah. any anything other than just a deterrent because you hear the alarm alarms going off all over London. Yeah. But I my main my main po po point of security is my tracker. Yes. And I think that's really important. Anyone that's worried about that bike getting stolen, get a tracker and at least you've got the peace of mind that if it does disappear, you've got one thread left attached to it. Exactly. And, and you yeah. can maybe get it back. Well worth the money. Yeah. A uh, quick question for you from Joseph Hubbard. Hey, London Bonnie, how's the progress for the new exhaust system you hinted at? Well, it's uh, I've had to postpone it over the new year because there's some other stuff that's come up that's prioritised over that. But I'm hoping to get it done um, before the beach race, which so is May. in May. Yeah. So the exhaust that I've got on at the minute um, is sort of a temporary solution. But yeah, new exhaust is coming. Cool. So... What's your next bike if money wasn't the issue? That's from Moto Knows Him. Next bike of now. Well, it, oh, tough one. Uh, Scrambler 1200. Yeah. Done. Fully kitted out. Yeah, it would have to be. Okay, here's one from Bean. If you could go on a motorcycle trip anywhere in the world, where would it be? It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, 
I'd almost want to do... It would have to be in summertime, because mm-hmm. you've got the good weather. But I think anywhere in the world, I think there's a lot to see in Europe. Mm. You could almost do a loop of Europe. Into True. Spain, Switzerland, back up again. You could see Italy. You could go Germany, you know, all the way across into Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Into, like, the Balkans and stuff like that. I think it would be really, really... And then, like, up into the Netherlands and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Scandinavia would be Scandinavia amazing. would be amazing, yeah. So I think that would be my, my go-to, just because it's so diverse. Yeah, I, I'd pick Iceland. I'd yeah. love, to, I'd love to ride up in Iceland. It's all volcanic and black rock, and it's just I've It'd seen cool. a Husk, Huskvarna up in Iceland. Yeah, a Norden nine hundred one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's got to be the bike for it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tips for mod one and mod two. When doing your oh, bike test, good question. Um, that's from Jim James. Cheers, Jim. Uh, get. What would I say? I mean, it all depends on how, how good of a rider you are. If, if it's your first time riding and you're doing like a direct access, then just yeah. have your fingers and toes crossed and, <laughs> you know, just try your best. But if you're a capable rider, just trust the process and 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 relax. And I would say for Mod 1, the, the test only lasts like 14 minutes. It's, it's quite really quick. short. Yeah. So just focus on it and... Don't overthink anything either. Don't overthink it. Keep the pace up. Like I remember when I was doing my figure of eight on my mod one, I almost put a foot down because I was going so slowly because you just got everything's in slow motion. Yeah. Keep the pace going. And then for mod two, ride like, ride like almost like you would as if the person, as if the examiner wasn't there. Yeah. In the sense, and I don't mean popping wheelies and filtering like crazy. I just mean like, <laughs> you know, if you come to a set, if, if it's, if you go from like a 30 miles an hour to national speed limit, like, Give it the beans. Pick like the they, pace, they want yeah. to, they want to see you ride. It's not like a car where they want to see you cautious and say they they want to see you confident yeah, on the bike. And so it. you know, lean into the corners and just relax into it. And also, I'd note that um, for like the mod one and stuff like that, if you're doing the figure of eight, you can use all the space in that. There's no mm. limit of size to your figure. Eight. You don't have to be on top of the cones when you're doing your figure of eight. Yeah, yeah, good advice. You can use all the space you've got. And then for the road ride, if there's something that's slowing you down and you're not sure about it. Just wait, because when I did mine, I almost was on the brink of failing it. He said to me, at the end, you've passed. But there was a, a point where I was going down a hill and there was a cyclist and I passed the cyclist and apparently... Too close. Not too close, but apparently because there was a junction ahead, I passed him. He could have just decided to turn out into my path. Oh, I see. By the junction, even though I passed him before the junction. So keep that in mind. I could have just sat behind him and cruised for as long as, well, until it was safe to pass, but... Yeah, yeah, there's no rush. But good luck with the test. Yeah, good luck. Okay, honest thoughts on the Royal Enfield Continental GT650 as your first bike from TS Haxon. I like it. Yeah? I think they're a great bike. Um, and I think they're also quite lightweight for mm. what they are. Um, plenty of power for a first bike, but not too much. A wide range of aftermarket parts, so you can customise it to how you want it to look. You can do anything from scramblers to flat trackers to cafes with them. I think they're really, um, they're, they're, they're a good bike. Mm. They're a good bike. I quite like them. Yeah. No, I, th- I think they look really smart and you can tinker with them a bit to make them look good. The only thing I think that would hold me back from buying one is I think the tyres, like the rear tyres quite thin. Yeah. Like when you look at it from a rear profile, yeah, it's true, just, yeah. I don't know, it just looks it's quite skinny. It looks quite skinny. Whereas if you look at like a Thruxton, for example, you're like, yeah. you can put proper tyres, you can put super courses on that. You know, yeah. you can actually put good tyres on it. Yeah. So I've got a good one from uh, Callum Kerr. Just how loud are MX slash open face helmets on the motorway? 
They are very loud. They are loud. They're extremely loud. Um, wouldn't recommend without headphones or earplugs. Yeah, earplugs, 100%. Because um, you've got nothing that's stopping the wind from getting down the gaps in the front of the helmet and going straight to your ears. Yeah, open face is by far the worst. And if you're... If you haven't got earplugs or headphones in, even 10 minutes on the motorway feels like hours because yeah. you can't, it's like this out of body kind of experience is so loud. The wind noise, it's, it's like intense, white noise, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's consistent. It's and... full on. And it's it's almost sore, even though you feel yeah. no pain. It's just, yeah. So I normally, I have the AirPod Pros, yeah. the noise cancelling. So I normally put those in, yeah, noise cancelling on, and then I have my tunes playing. Yeah. So it's still enough that I can hear the bike. But it just cancels out all that wind noise, which is a must. Yeah, it's got to be done. I think, yeah, I think head- headphones or earplugs on the motorway are, are a must for pretty much any helmet. With an open front, yeah. Yeah. And goggles. And if you've got a peak on there, good luck as well, because it's not, it's yeah. not great. So you get kind of, you your get head gets back. drawn back. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think that's it for uh, episode seven. Yeah. Slightly longer episode today, but cheers for sticking around if you did. And uh, yeah, on to next week. On to next week. And uh, a quick point, if there is any constructive criticism that people would like to add, it would help us greatly. So we had a few comments this week just to help us out, which is great. Yeah, drop us a message. It's actually super helpful because we had a few comments of people saying we can't hear the engine noise on the guessing game and all this sort of stuff. And it's just, it's super helpful. So don't hold back with barraging us with with criticism. We we, we appreciate it. I think that wraps it up. All right. Have a good week. Cheers.